Good evening, folks, and welcome back on this Saturday, the 24th day of September 2022. I'm your host, Mark Call. Let me start off with a quick story that ordinarily I wouldn't even bother with, but at least it demonstrates just what kind of a week this has been. And it comes from the Daily Mail out of once Great Britain, with video, no less, under a headline that says, South Korea's President Yoon caught on a hot mic calling the U.S. Congress effers who could, quote, humiliate Biden if they don't pass the six billion fiat buck U.N. aid package he promised after that meeting at the U.N. this week. The translation from Korean via Argent France Press says, quote, how could Biden not lose face if these efforts do not pass it in Congress? Ah, come on. What a stupid story. How could a senile pedophile crime boss who stole an election and then destroyed an entire country possibly lose face regardless of what he did from this point forward? And besides, who cares about a measly six billion hyperinflated bucks at this point anyway? These efforts waste more than that giving weapons to terrorists over an average weekend. But like I said, folks, that at least tells you just what kind of a week it's been. So by way of review at this point, I guess we ought to continue more or less chronologically, starting with the weekend. And because of the funeral of the late Queen of England, that meant that more or less through Monday anyway, there wasn't much of anything happening on the world stage worldwide. Other than that, of course, actually worth reporting. That doesn't mean the treason doesn't continue apace. And it certainly doesn't mean that the New World Order, now pretty much renamed the Great Reset, isn't happening right smack out in the open, televised globally, and being crammed down your throats. And how bad is it? Why, it's so bad that the Biden puppet appeared on the so-called news program 60 Minutes over the weekend and pontificate about how America isn't quite as dead as it seems. Oh yeah, he's got more work to do. I like the RNC's review of the program. People disapprove of me, he said, because they're psychologically unable to be happy. <laughs> and if we thought they were, we'd probably just send some IRS agents out and kill them. After the FBI steals their phones, that is. Here's the question they're not going to answer, folks. I really got to wonder how much editing it took to make this guy not appear as obviously senile as every single person watching it knows he is. Which kind of begs another question. How many people out there are old enough to remember back when 60 Minutes, actually occasionally at least, did real journalism? Why, if so, you might even remember when Saturday Night Live was once actually funny. Which leads me next to the only real news over that same time frame. And there's plenty of humor in this too. Well, that is, if you can get over the tragedy. Over the last several days, the governors of Texas and Florida have both made some pretty dramatic points concerning the invasion by illegals and other terrorists from the South. Call them Biden's jihadist white suppression militia, if you prefer. It's undoubtedly more honest than what you're going to hear on CNN or MSNBC. But as you may or may not have heard by now, because the left has been shrieking like stuck pigs about it ever since, a couple of busloads, maybe just under 50 people, showed up at the residence of Heels in the Air Harris in the swamp and at the playground of the uber-rich Martha's Vineyard, where they were greeted like the turd in the punch bowl, at least until the cameras showed up. But it certainly didn't slow down the hypocrisy parade. And how bad was it? Why, it was so bad, even the far-left Daily Mail couldn't spray enough air fresher to cover this one up. It even managed to get a little bit of space next to the Queen's funeral, at least on Sunday. Here's how their piece begins, and they actually have to come right out and say it. Republican lawmakers and officials are accusing Democrats of hypocrisy, do you think? After the left heaped criticism on the governors of Texas and Florida, hell, folks, they even accused them of crimes and threatened to send their criminal department of just us to come and get them. 
after they sent migrants to liberal strongholds, despite, they admit, doing the very same thing themselves. Oh yeah, folks, and to the tune of a thousand times more. Actually, if you do the math, it's more like five orders of magnitude instead of just three. And here the Daily Mail does at least do a bit of honest reporting. They say Representative Michael Waltz of Florida compared the outrage at Texas and Florida to the relatively, and that's putting it mildly, muted response of the so-called ghost flights of mostly underage migrants sent by the Biden regime in the middle of the night. Quote, those are Biden administration taxpayer-funded contracts with a number of NGOs that are flying these people in the dead of the night to all of these same locations. Well, except for the high-profile hoi polloi hangouts, though. Then it's fine, Waltz told Old Fox News. But if you have Governor DeSantis of Florida or Texas Governor Abbott or Arizona Governor Ducey doing it in the middle of the day when everyone can see it, then suddenly we're up in arms having a collective political meltdown. It's a collectivist political meltdown, actually. And all of this, they admit, comes after the Biden regime resumed charter flights in April of underage migrants from the U.S.-Mexico border to places like Westchester, New York. And while those flights operated during the day as well, the amount that came in the middle of the night without wide public knowledge earned well-deserved criticism from Republicans. Walt said the only real difference in their actions was that the Republican initiatives took place during the day, where the press had a more difficult time trying to ignore it. But I've said this before, folks, calling out hypocrites for hypocrisy has kind of worn thin. We're no longer even surprised by it. Which brings me to this quote from none other than Hitlery Clinton, who was oh so upset that anybody would dare to send deplorables, or worse still, the 1% of 1% of 1% of the invaders to the doorstep of the gilded palaces of the 1% of the 1% of the uber-rich, Martha's Vineyard. Said an outraged, wicked witch of the worst, Queen Hitlery herself, and I kid you not, folks, she literally came right out and said this, telling Morning Joe Scarborough that this was, quote, literally human trafficking, unquote, and, whoa, full stop. Because, you know what, I do have to admit, she, among the limited few that rode the Epstein Express to Orgy Island, literally really ought to know. <laughs> And why did I insert the canned laugh track there? For that matter, why do I even do this story? Because, folks, as the hypocrisy has literally gone off the charts, the human trafficking got there long ago, just calling it what it is is no longer sufficient. I will suggest that the only effective response to this kind of crap that Americans are being subjected to on a daily basis now is outright ridicule. It's obviously far more effective than mere facts. From there, let's pick up the chronological look back with a brief headline review. This one from Breitbart, also via Infowars, says, There's an epidemic, who could have thought it, of domestic violent extremism, whether it actually exists or not. And it's a whistleblower that's come forward and accused the FBI's Washington field office of using cases related to the booga, 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 so-called uh, insurrection that wasn't on January 6th at the U.S. Capitol to overstate the threat of DVEs, or domestic violent extremism in America, according to ranking members of the House Judiciary Committee, Representative Jim Jordan of Ohio. The whistleblower alleged that the FBI office did not follow, who could have thought it, standard investigative practices for the January 6th cases when they moved those cases to various local field offices around the country based on where the case subjects were from, said Jordan in a letter addressed to the FBI Hormeister-in-Chief Christopher Wray on Monday. 
January 6th cases, quote, should all be officially led by the WFO, or Washington Field Office, and categorized as WFO cases, according to the letter, but instead a so-called task force dispatched instructions to open J6 investigations to local field offices nationwide, which received those cases, making it look as if they were actually conducting investigations, when in reality they were all being coordinated from Swamp Central, the WFO, which continued to conduct the ahem bulk of the work. And the whistleblower told Jordan that this manipulative case file practice creates false and misleading crime statistics. Gee, do you think? Instead of hundreds of investigations stemming from a single black swan incident at the Capitol, FBI and DRJ officials point to significant increases in DVEs and terrorism as if they were all over the United States. What a bunch of scumbags. Here's one you probably didn't know but could have guessed. While Canada often receives praise for its socialized health care, the government-run medical system is now euthanizing the country's sick and poor people, says a piece from slaynews.com. Many on the left might argue that the Canadian government's federalized health care system is more humane and something to be emulated, but it does seem that Canadian government officials are more interested in urging doctors to help patients kill themselves. Hey, the poison poke helps too, rather than to treat them. Canada already has some of the most permissive euthanasia laws in the world, and their medical assistance in dying laws allow almost anyone who can claim some form of hardship or disability to receive physician-assisted suicide, regardless of how minor the disabilities might be. In one horror story, actually reported by the Associated Press, a 61-year-old fellow named Alan Nichols was successfully killed quickly after just a one-month waiting period because he was suffering from hearing loss. He was otherwise healthy, and his brother claimed that doctors railroaded Nichols, who had a hearing problem, into killing himself. And there's more here, but you get the picture. Says the story, it's the same for the disabled and mentally ill. I could draw a connection with people being duped into taking the poison poke, too, but you've probably already made that one yourselves. Let's turn next to a piece from InfoWars about Russian nationals living in Estonia who are going to have their firearms forcibly confiscated by the police if they refuse to voluntarily hand them over under what's called a new law, which also applies to Belarusians living in the Eastern European country. The bill has been finalized. It will almost certainly be voted into what passes for law over there. And as to how many of the registered gun owners are expected to comply, the Estonian prime minister said it was difficult for her to judge. But hey, who cares? We know where you live. In total, only about 629 registered gun owners will have to turn over their firearms. And guess what? History shows what happens next. I guess you could also say this is another one of those words to the wise stories. By midweek, Wednesday, it was FOMC Day where the world's most gullible were all focused like a dog after a June bug on what the mighty FOMC would say from Mount Olympus. As if, come on folks, there was ever really any doubt. Will they hike three quarters of a percent? And what will their forward guidance look like? How rapidly do they want to destroy the economy of the world and replace it with the new world fiat, in this case, digital global currency? I know, it's tough not to be really cynical, but let's start off with this quick headline just to make sure that we, uh, well, understand why we should be. J.P. Morgan's Fed Day Scenario Analysis, says a piece from Tyler Durden and Zero Hedge. The market could have the best day in history, or it could crash 5%. Maybe we'll know when the smoke clears. At least most analysts, 94 out of 96 of them, think that, yeah, 75 basis points is about right. Hey, folks, I got a question. Anybody think when there's no product to be bought and they're literally printing new fiat bucks by the trillions, 
that that's going to make a darn bit of difference? Here's another headline that emerged during the wait. And yeah, be cynical. Be very cynical. After years of probing, looking for anything and everything, but mostly just anything they could blame on orange man bad, the scumbag masquerading as New York Attorney General Letitia James has finally sued President Donald Trump for allegedly using fraudulent asset valuations. And how much of a hoot is that on a day like today? I mean, really, if you buy a candy bar for a buck and a half that used to cost a nickel, so are you. According to Bloomberg, James is seeking around a quarter billion bucks in disgorgement from the various defendants. i got to admit, folks, the hypocrisy here makes me feel like disgorging my lunch. And how bad is it? Why, I'd almost rather look at crackhead Hunter's laptop than watch this woman pontificate. Why no disgorgement there? And they're not only after Trump, of course. Not only Trump, but Trump supporters, relatives, just about anybody that ever saw the guy on TV even, and demands that the Trump organization be barred from engaging in commercial real estate acquisitions in New York for a period of five years. And you can guess what's even more important than that. And this would be funny if it wasn't so representative of the entire destruction of the U.S. system of just us. A Trump spokesperson has denounced the New York lawsuit as a political act. No, not really. That's more like a circus in a kangaroo court. This, however, might be a political act, courtesy of Zero Hedge and Tyler Durden. A BP spokesperson has told Reuters that the latest major fire, this time at a BP Husky Toledo refinery in Oregon, Ohio, has been shut down, safely of course, in response to Tuesday night's sudden and unexpected fire. The cause is still unknown, says the spokesperson to Reuters. Trouble is, the refinery processes about 160,000 barrels of crude oil daily, providing the Midwest with gasoline, diesel, jet fuel, propane, asphalt, and other products that eh, pretty soon might not be available at any price. And there's no word, says the story, if the refinery fire will spark fuel shortages across the Midwest, as opposed to the continuing fires that have to do with food shortages. Well, at the very least, folks, it's another great excuse for hyperinflation in fuel prices. On a daily basis, said BP, that refinery can produce, or did produce, 3.8 million gallons of gasoline, 1.3 million gallons of diesel fuel, and 600,000 gallons of Jet A. Here's a bit more economic news. We're getting more glimpses, says Zero Hedge, of the carnage in the housing market since August. With mortgage rates having soared, home builder sentiment tumbling, and perhaps even plunging, it's no surprise that existing home sales were expected, and indeed did, fall for the seventh straight month down 2.3% month over month. But hey, that's not quite as bad as the plunge in July. It's still, they note, seven consecutive drops, which left existing home sales down 19.9% so far year over year. The longest consecutive streak of decline since October 2007. And maybe you can remember what happened not long after that. And I guess with all this bad news coming out so transparently... Maybe it's not surprising that this next story says, yeah, if we don't want the American people to know what's happening, and they won't believe the lies anyway, why don't we just not tell them at all? This comes from antiwar.com, also via Zero Hedge, about the State Department, or what now passes for it, which announced back in August, to almost zero fanfare, that they're no longer going to publish some information called the World Military Expenditures and Arms Transfers, or WMEAT reports, which, back before Big Brother gave up all pretense of honesty or transparency, were released by it since the 1960s. 
the WMEAT's detail U.S. global military spending, arms transfers, and you can guess why they're not going to talk about this anymore, can't you? And related data for each country in the world that slurps at the American arms trough. The 2022 NDA included an amendment that repealed a provision dating back to 1994 requiring the State Department to transparently publish the information at least once a year. But now, they said, the one they published for 2021 was the last you're going to be allowed to see. That one showed that the U.S. was by far the world's largest arms dealer. And during the period from 2009 through 2019, about 79% of the entire world arms trade by value was apparently supplied by the United States. And now, notes the story, as if you hadn't already figured it out, the discontinuation of W-Meat reports reduces the U.S. government's transparency, which was already pretty darn opaque, folks. And this comes as Big Brother is now shipping billions of dollars more worth of arms and who knows what else into Ukraine with, say it with me, virtually no oversight. And now it's pretty much gone to zero, with the possible exception of those that are making sure the big guy gets his cut off the top. And I guess, folks, when the last U.S. Marine ships his rifle off to good old stand-up comedian President Zelenko, we'll know that that part of the plan is complete. And since we're pretty much on the subject, let's go to our World War III update next. In a nationwide address that was delayed from its primetime Tuesday delivery ahead of votes in four regions in Ukraine that want to join Russia, on Wednesday morning, Russian President Vladimir Putin announced a partial military mobilization and also vowed to use all means necessary to defend Russia against things like the expansion of NATO and occupation of their territory and pledged to annex those territories already occupied by Russia, thus raising the stakes in the seven-month-old or more conflict, calling the moves, quote, urgent necessary steps to defend the sovereignty, security, and territorial integrity of Russia. Putin said Russia is fighting the full might of NATO, the U.S., and its allies, all of which he said are seeking to destroy Russia. The Daily Mail's headline is a bit more hysterical than Zero Hedge. They put it this way, Putin's nuclear, all caps, threat to the West. Vladimir warns Ukraine's allies he will use weapons of destruction and announces the mobilization of another 300,000 troops, declaring in the process, I am not bluffing. That mobilization of reservists, by the way, is the first Russian mobilization since World War II. And, of course, the Brits called Putin all kinds of names, like the Desperate Despot. Which may or may not be true, but one thing's for sure. Like him, hate him, or despise him, he's certainly not senile. Speaking of which, the marionette teleprompter reader-in-chief addressed the UN and basically didn't say much of anything worth noting. Says the coverage, there was little unexpected in the lengthy speech, nor were there any specific new U.S. courses of action or sanctions. No surprise to anyone... He blasted the outrageous invasion of Ukraine and tried to get the U.N. General Assembly to believe that the war is all about, quote, extinguishing Ukraine's right to exist as a state, plain and simple, unquote. But he wasn't done. He threw in this whopper, quote, but no one threatened Russia and no one other than Russia sought conflict. I guess kind of like no one has threatened the American people and no one except the American people, especially if they actually believe they still have a Bill of Rights, is seeking conflict either. But my personal favorite has got to be this one. He highlighted Putin's mention of nuclear weapons in his Wednesday speech and then added, quote, we are not seeking a new Cold War, unquote. No, folks, they're seeking a really, really hot one and they may yet get it. Oh, what the heck. After that, I guess we need a bit of comic relief, even though, really, insanity masquerading as leadership isn't the least bit funny. But what are you going to do other than ridicule what we've got instead? 
Jesse Waters at Fox did a lengthy piece on the Biden Fuhrer and his who-are-we-kidding level of senility, noting that after the dementia poster boy announced that the pandemic was over at a car show on 60 Minutes, they're still forcing masks on kids in federally funded programs, however, his puppet masters really had to scurry to walk it back. After replaying the usual sequence of gaffes and idiocies and outright forgetfulness and talking to the walls or imaginary people or whatever else we've seen of late, and that's not counting falling off bicycles or down plane ramps, he turned to Senator and Dr. Rand Paul from Kentucky for a comment, who said out loud what all of us who don't get news from the criminally negligent networks have known for at least two years now. So why do they want to cling to this pandemic so thoroughly, Dr. Paul? Well, you know, Jesse, this may come as a surprise to you, but I'm not sure that Joe Biden is fully in charge of the government (laughs) or fully in charge of his wits, for that matter. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, is that the response to this has always been about submission and control of the individual. These are the people who truly believe in the nanny state, whether it's your business they want to be in charge of or your health care. And they can't give it up. Nor will they even admit, folks, how transparently evil what they've done is. From installing a true idiot in the White House, to destroying the economy, to destroying the food supply chain, to destroying the U.S. military, and literally prepping the United States for invasion and butchering like a fat hog. This next story isn't nearly as high profile, but certainly highlights a different aspect of the war on all things that were once called truth, justice, and the American way, at least. It has to do with Vanderbilt University Medical Center, or VUMC. I guess once they were a respected medical and educational facility, which has now deleted the website of their so-called transgender clinic after journalist Matt Walsh outed them for being the... Can I say it? Yeah, you betcha. Scumbags that they so clearly are. A doctor in particular promoted the transgender surgeries for that transgender clinic as a big moneymaker for the institution. Videos obtained by Walsh, says Zero Hedge, which also posted them, apparently show threats made against various VUMC medical professionals who objected to the procedures, even for religious reasons. Walsh posted his findings in a lengthy Twitter thread on Tuesday in which Dr. Shane Taylor can be seen bragging about how she convinced Nashville to get into these so-called gender transitions because it's, quote, a big moneymaker, especially since the surgeries require a lot of follow-ups. Surprise, surprise, surprise. A lot of times, folks, people try to reverse them, too, and that doesn't work so well. According to Dr. Ellen Clayton, those with, quote, conscientious objections to the program are problematic, and anyone who dares oppose the transgender surgery program will face consequences. If you're going to assert conscientious objections, she said, you have to realize that is problematic. You're doing something to another person, and you're not paying the cost for your belief. I think that, she said, is a real issue. I just want you to take home that saying that you're not going to do something because of your conscientious, well, because of your religious beliefs, and it's not without consequences, and should not be without consequences, and I just want to put that out there. We are given an enormous, she continued, well, if you don't want to do this kind of work, don't work at Vanderbilt, said Walsh. In case the objectors hadn't gotten the memo, Vanderbilt unveiled a program called Trans Buddies. These buddies are trans activists from the community who attend appointments with trans patients, monitoring doctors to guard against unsafe behavior, such as misgendering them. And here I thought maybe they were going to say warning them of the consequences, something that might be perceived as trying to talk them out of it. No, I guess they wouldn't dare do that.
But there's more. VUMC also makes their trans buddies and other services available to children, quote, including chemical castration, writes Walsh, who added that they altered their website within the last month and yet forgot to delete a video from Vanderbilt Psychiatry's YouTube channel dated from 2020, which admits they will give hormones to kids as young as 13. Oh, yeah, and they like to perform double mastectomies on adolescent girls, too. He concluded this way. They now castrate, sterilize, and mutilate minors as well as adults, while apparently taking steps to hide this activity from the public view. This, he said, is what healthcare has become in modern America. And that, of course, folks, is when they're not killing them with DNA modifications injected to destroy their immune systems. But in response to Walsh's reporting, Tennessee Governor Bill Lee called for, oh, say it with me, folks, an investigation into VUMC. We'll have more right after this. Hit your next door neighbor, but don't forget to say grace tell me over and over and over and over again, my friend, you don't believe we're on the eve of destruction. Oh, no, no, you don't believe we're on the eve of destruction. Welcome back now to the second segment for this evening. I am your host, Mark Hall. And let's pick up the review with Thursday, the day after, as some are calling it. The Fed did exactly what they'd been telegraphing and what everybody expected. They raised interest rates yet another three-quarter percent, 75 basis points. Anyway, I'm your host, Mark Hall. And in some respects, that's kind of a yawner because the real news is elsewhere, even though fall of the money remains the driver behind the scenes. And indeed, that's where most of the important news that the Waystream still doesn't want you to worry your pretty little heads about is going on. Here's one obvious example, but really it just paves a way to dig a bit deeper. So there's a piece from the Epic Times. Americans are set to fork out an extra $11,500 this year on average if they want to try, whether they succeed or not, it's another thing entirely, to enjoy the same standard of living they maintained in 2020 before the hostile communist takeover of the country, according to new estimates from Nerd Wallet, published back in August. They're based on inflation and annual spending data from the U.S. Bureau of Lying Statistics. So already you know they're a bit suspect, probably understated, but they looked at how spending would compare to the year 2020 before the COVID-19 pandemic and all that was able to happen after it. In that same year, official U.S. inflation was just 1.23%. Heck, folks, we've seen weeks where the energy prices have exploded enough to put that number to shame. And even if you believe the official U.S. bogus inflation data, 8.3%, the story says this. In all of 2020, American households spent 61300 bucks on average, including everything that money is spent on, housing, food, entertainment, clothing, transportation, and pretty much you name it. But in 2022, to buy that same basket of goods, it stands to reach 72900 bucks. Yep, 11500 fiat bucks, if you believe the official numbers. 
One more quick directly financial-related story. Credit Suisse is said to be, according to the Financial Times and Reuters, mulling several drastic options as they seek to emerge from losses and scandals, including exiting the U.S. market, firing more than 10% of their 45,000 global workforce, and splitting its investment bank into three parts, including the creation of a bad bank on which to dump their risky assets. And who knows, maybe even duping some so-called investors into taking a bath on. But no, that's categorically false, they told Bloomberg. And yep, who are you going to believe? It's getting more and more obvious who not to believe, as if it hasn't been really clear for quite a while now. And that would be swamp critters whose lips are moving. This story would be funny if it wasn't so traitorously tragic. Representative James Comer was on Fox News last night talking about, yep, can you believe it, the criminal son of the criminal puppet masquerading as president. I guess it's a good thing he's got the FBI on his team making sure that Hunter Biden's laptop never sees the light of day. But if they have other documents that they want you to believe instead, oh yeah, they'll either steal those or cram them down your throats or both. The Republican leader from Kentucky on the House Oversight Committee has uncovered a plan, he says, by the Biden regime and its ruling crime family to sell natural gas reserves to China. And it dates back, of course, to before the infamous Hunter Biden laptop was hidden by the FBI so that Americans could hopefully be sold the election scam. Said the congressman, they have the evidence, the emails, and even a whistleblowing eyewitness to make the case that, no, it wasn't just Hunter who was selling influence to the then number two man, the big guy. Chinese business partners have provided the Biden family with detailed maps identifying critical U.S. gas reserves that they'd like to have a little piece of the action on. And, of course, it's not just Hunter. As the congressman says, the evidence clearly shows that Joe Biden himself, before he lost what little bit of a brain that he had remaining, was deeply involved. And isn't it just really interesting, folks, what's happened to the energy markets since then? I want to spend a few minutes today on a sequence of stories that, honestly, I think won't surprise a lot of listeners. Certainly most of them didn't surprise your host, because arguably we've seen it coming one way or another for quite a while. But on the other hand, I think it may literally shock the living hell, and I use that term explicitly, out of others. Because the truth seems to be that so many of the things out of the worst horror movies, dystopian movies, and even grade B science fiction is, in fact, coming to pass if it hasn't already. And we'll start it off with this one from Jim Kunstler, a guy that I've really enjoyed reading for quite a while now, has another interesting piece up where he actually says what they refer to as the quiet part out loud on the burning platform. He calls it a walk on the wild side and asks this question. Do you doubt any more that the USA, indeed most of Western Civ, is in fact in the grip of demonic possession? You can't quite medicalize a problem by calling it a group psychosis because the people demolishing social boundaries know exactly what they're doing, and they are, as your host likes to put it, but so does he, shoving it in your face maliciously for the purpose of goading you into humiliation and punishment, which is predictably what will happen if you object to being, oops, I guess I'm going to have to bleep this one, mind Case in point, and I'm not going to belabor this one, if you've seen the disgusting photos, you already know what he's going to talk about. A shop teacher styling himself the transgendered Kayla Lemieux comes to work sick in a school sick in the Halton School District of Ontario, Canada, dressed as a grotesquely over-endowed female, no longer seems to cut it, with beach ball-sized fake breasts. And all of this is supported by the woke Marxist Justin Castro Trudeau, who's already made it clear they intend to crush you, bankrupt you, and destroy you if you don't play along. 
Who knew, he asked poignantly, that the once glorious George Jetson-style future would dip into a neo-medieval religious frenzy, and more to the point, one deriving its dark energy from the demonic and outright satanic. You're asked to swallow ever greater absurdities, destroying your self-respect, because you know you're a coward for not standing up to this host of degenerates. Yeah, he goes on to talk next about the traitorous open invasion from the south, where literally millions, many of them already identified as international terrorists, crossed the border with a welcome mat from the traitor-in-chief, while that feral band of infidels tries to brand those who object to it as domestic white terrorist extremists. After which, the hypocrisy of the far nutcase left and Martha's Vineyard, where the uber-rich meet to party and pontificate and ultimately expose their hypocrisy, got caught this week wearing the emperor's new clothes. And yeah, it's tough to forget what we've seen. But this is where Kunstler is Kunstler. He puts it this way. What's the answer when faced with a large-scale religious disturbance in society, especially when displaying all the earmarks of overt, archetypal evil? Well, you call in an exorcist. That had been Donald J. Trump's true role in this latest mega-crisis for the millennia. He's seeking to cast out evil spirits afflicting this sore beset national community, and those evil spirits are frantic to stop his ministrations by any means necessary. He is, of course, notes Gunsler, a most untoward avatar in this war of good against evil. After all, he came out of the infernal circle of New York real estate development. The assumption all along was that he must be tainted by dirty dealing with the mobs who run the construction unions and the government there. But after six years of relentless investigation, sick, by the Southern District of New York and the Manhattan DA's office, the legions of hell came up with, well, nothing. How's that possible, you must ask? Well, they tried their darndest, and now they're trying again with some double jeopardy maneuvers. The law, though, to these degenerates is just an instrument of their own evil will to power. Well, he goes on to say Mr. Trump may or may not be the nominee in 2024, but at least in the meanwhile, he seems to be helping the country with a literal house cleaning in advance of that that might open the door for a deluge of corrective truth-telling about what's gone on over the past several years. Well, on that score, folks, we'll see. But Kunstler does conclude by saying Americans, except for the very old, are not disposed to attending church, meaning they're not reminded at regular intervals that good and evil exist in all of us and that we have a sacred duty to fight it. Ultimately, he believes the left will choke to death on its many crimes, and hopefully we can return to being a people who confidently know the difference between right and wrong. Next, since time is going to be an issue today, just a couple of comments from a piece by Steve Watson, Summit News, about Senator Rand Paul, who has vowed this week to do what arguably should have done a long time ago and continue to expose the origins of the COVID pandemic and uncover what he calls a paper trail that he is positive will lead back to none other than the most evil man on planet Earth. Yeah, his nemesis, America's Dr. Mengele, Tony Fauci, the NIH, oh, and of course, the Wuhan lab. We'll follow up with what might be called the biggie, and probably the most obvious too, courtesy of Dr. Naomi Wolf, a once far leftist who of late seems to have really begun to see the truth, and write about it very well to boot. In a piece on her substack entitled Destroying Women, Poisoning Breast Milk, Murdering Babies, and Hiding the Truth, she writes that the worst thing that can happen to the human species is happening. Referring to a War Room, Daily Clout, Pfizer document, bunch of research volunteers, a group, she notes, of medical and scientific experts who've selflessly stepped up to analyze tens of thousands of formerly internal Pfizer documents released under court order subsequent to a lawsuit by Aaron Series firm, 
and a FOIA by public health and medical professionals for transparency. Well, they've now fully documented, she says, that Pfizer's mRNA, not vaccines, target human reproduction in comprehensive and, hey, here's a surprise, likely irreversible ways. Our 3,250 research volunteers in 39 fully cited reports to date have documented evidence of what she knows she's been calling 360 degrees of harm to human reproduction. The Pfizer documents reveal monstrous damage to, well, to just about everything associated with reproduction. From menstruation to harm to the testes and epididymis, harms to the penis, horrible harm to the ova and ovaries, mechanisms for compromising the placenta, contamination of amniotic fluid, and, of course, damage to newborns, if they live that long. They reveal that four women's breast milk turned blue-green. They reveal injuries to at least one newborn that extends to death or murder from ingesting the tainted breast milk. They reveal horrific levels of miscarriages. They reveal that Pfizer defined exposure to the vaccine as including sexual intercourse, especially a time of conception. Hey, kind of tough to imagine the converse, isn't it? And they reveal a weird focus on mammalian sex and reproductive issues, almost like somebody was planning on it, huh? All of these horrors make extended appearances in the Pfizer documents, she writes, which were never expected to see the light of day. So, she concludes, soon humanity will realize that the worst thing to ever happen to it has happened. Yep, it has to come out. Soon humanity will realize, she writes, that the miscarriages and the drops in birth rate worldwide documented by Igor Chudov, the drop in life expectancies, the neonatal deaths, the ruination of eggs and ovaries were done to them with knowledge of forethought, and that in many cases relating to fertility, the means for healing the bodies of women is just not clear. Every day, she says, my inbox seized with women asking questions like, can the lipid nanoparticles be removed from my ovaries? My daughter miscarried right after receiving the Pfizer vaccine. My daughter-in-law was vaccinated while pregnant. What can be done for her? But mainstream news outlets, let alone so-called government regulatory agencies, aren't helping women with this crisis. No, folks, who are we kidding? Obviously, one of the major points of Fauci's bioweapon was precisely this. Rather, she says, concerning these so-called government agencies, they're seeking to gaslight us about it and kill off reputationally and to censor those who try to bring this evidence to the light of day. Here's just one example. In one of the 39 War Room Daily Clout reports about the staggering harms and upside-down so-called science in the Pfizer documents, a volunteer recently made a mistake. In a post dated August 12th of this year, the volunteer miscounted 11 miscarriages or spontaneous abortions of women who'd been injected in Pfizer's clinical trial as 22. The miscarriages, spontaneous abortions, were listed in two separate tables in the 3,600-plus page Pfizer document, but the subject codes revealed that some of them were duplicates. We learned of this error on August 17th due to work done by Naked Emperor on his substack and Phil Carpen on Twitter. Of course, we immediately corrected the error. I publicly noted the correction on every podcast in which I appeared. But both the Associated Press and Reuters, two of the biggest newswires on the planet, went after us. So it does beg the question, are those newswires who so aggressively assailed the credibility of a team of highly credentialed researchers doing a public service while they remain unconflicted? 
AP, or should I say AP Xinhua, she notes, pursued us with an article falsely exonerating Pfizer, one that appeared in virtually every local newspaper in the country. She provides a link, and the Associated Press is conflicted in covering the story, she adds. What with its direct financial ties to Xinhua News Agency, the official state news agency of the People's Republic of China, and of course that means the Communist Chinese Party, too. Xinhua is also a ministry-level institution subordinate to the State Council of the CCP, the highest-ranking state media organization in that communist country. They have a number of Memorandums of Cooperation, or MOCs, with Xinhua, which is an entity that Reporters Without Borders calls the world's biggest propaganda machine. Well, maybe outside of a certain three-letter agency that starts with Central. But who knows, folks, given what we've seen lately, I guess it is possible that I repeat myself. She goes on for quite a while about all the details here, folks, but I think you get the point. The connections go way more than skin deep, and they're pretty insidious, too. So who, she says, and she knows the answer, and you're gonna, who's been criticizing the Communist Chinese Party and their partnership with Pfizer-BioNTech? Well, yours truly, meaning Naomi Wolf. Elsewhere in the substack, she notes, I broke the story of how Pfizer injections are, in fact, produced with a MEMOU, or a Memorandum of Understanding, between BioNTech and Fosun Pharmaceuticals, a CCP-run big pharma company based in Shanghai. She explained how their manufacturing branches in Boston and Princeton are such that when, if you are duped into taking a vaccine this year, you may well be injected with material or via IP overseen by the Communist Chinese Party. There's a shocker. She's also written, she notes, about how the Pfizer-BioNTech SEC filing for 2021 counts as being 100% complete a tech transfer, a technology giveaway to Red China. And in their hit piece on us, she notes, the AP somehow managed to let the FDA, which saw and signed off on every single one of the tens of thousands of documents in that Pfizer release, to get away with saying nothing at all. And not only that, she notes, the global powerhouse, the Associated Press, couldn't manage to get a single U.S. taxpayer-funded federal agency, including that one tasked with protecting the safety and health, yeah, sure, of American food and drug, to even return their calls. Isn't that a shame? Even though the documents are in FDA's legal custody and contain the lettering FDA confidential right there on the bottom margin. AP, she notes, also let Pfizer off on their claim, unchallenged since 2020, that a phase three clinical study of more than 44,000 people, half of whom were women, according to Pfizer, showed that miscarriages were, and I'm quoting folks, not reported as a vaccine side effect, unquote. Well, that doesn't mean they didn't happen. It just means that they didn't get reported, doesn't it? I guess now it's time to start debunking some more lies. First, she notes, the study didn't, in fact, have more than 44,000 people. And then she gives the link. But second, the AP did not link or appear to even check the study, which was reported in the New England Journal of Medicine. But had they done so, they'd have had to inform readers that pregnant women had been, you ready, excluded from the study. Noting that the report, quote, does not address the prevention of COVID-19 in other populations, such as younger adolescents, children, and, um, pregnant women. So maybe it makes sense that if you exclude pregnant women, miscarriages weren't reported as a vaccine side effect. Aren't they clever? Oh, one more comment from your host here, folks. If you're really clever, you can exclude people from the study ex post facto, after they've had problems that you don't want to have to report.
The AP also linked to a Mayo Clinic website post from 2021, coincidentally, the very year that vaccinated moms started to miscarry at huge scale, to make the case that there was nothing at all unusual about the miscarriage rates in the Pfizer document. These aren't the droids you're looking for. Which is normally, claims the Mayo Clinic, around 10 to 20 percent. And here there follow several paragraphs about how you can lie with statistics and claim that really, really abnormally high rates really are nothing to see here. Move along, move along. And there's still more, including conflicts of interest up and down the line. Reuters doesn't get off the hook on this score either. They're conflicted, she writes, in covering us or any Pfizer-related story because of their direct ties to the board of directors of Pfizer. Ties that Reuters didn't disclose in a hit piece on, (laughs) no, not Pfizer itself, but critics of Pfizer. And did the Society of Professional Journalists Code of Ethics even slow them down? Not so you'd notice. Unsurprisingly, she adds, given this background, they were involved this last week, and Fauci's claimed that he'd been fact-checked to Senator Rand Paul for uh, his own benefit. Yeah, she adds, you can't make this level of corruption up. And since those last hit pieces appeared, she continues, two lawsuits have revealed that both the Center for Death and Control and their Carol Crawford and what else, the White House itself, were discussing back in 2021, she writes, my accurate tweet warning women of menstrual and thus fertility harms from the mRNA poison pokes. She didn't put it that way, I will. David Cloud's publicist Ellen Kennelly wrote a superb press release putting that news in the context of other damage that the team had been finding related to reproductive harm to human beings. And as soon as Ms. Kennelly tried to post it on the EIN press wire, that entity shut her down. Not just her, but our account too, writes Dr. Wolf, and informed us that we could never reopen one. Writes Jim Hoff for the Gateway Pundit, they, the War Room Daily Clout Research Team, are the only team scouring the tens of thousands of documents that Big Pharma wanted the courts to seal for a full 75 years. It's the impressive Daily Clout team, he continues, that's exposing all the vaccine-related health risks, deleted data sets, altered trials, and the cabal of COVID mRNA Real, not the kind that Big Brother and its Centers for Death and Control want you to believe, misinformation. And it turns out that those conflicts of interest were just the beginning. Executives of the EIN Newswire Service, writes Hoft, are investors in patient care, pharmaceuticals, and they have deep origins in the Democrat swamp. And if Naomi Wolf ever opened another account, EIN Presswire would keep that money with no refunds. I guess, folks, once you've been marked as a truther, Satan's sources don't want anything to do with you ever again. But here's where things really get rugged, folks. Leaving aside the bought-off or corrupt nature of all these increasingly surreal efforts to lie, cover up the truth, and in the process, sterilize and kill who knows how many millions of people by what used to be ethical platforms in their ugly efforts to silence our warnings to fellow human beings that their reproductive health is sorely at risk of being damaged or destroyed by these mRNA vaccines? You have to ask the question, is the Pfizer vaccine safe for pregnant or breastfeeding women, for fetuses or babies? Answer, no, no, and no. The article continues with other peer-reviewed looks at the data, including that by Dr. Robert Chandler, which basically leads her to conclude with a single, pretty much undeniable conclusion. Pfizer knew, and I would say they knew blankety-blank and well, that they were ruining women and killing babies. In other words, this is not merely gross negligence, folks, by unbelievably stupid people.
Oh, and unless you think that these communist Chinese party Pfizer-affiliated bioweapons experts are just misogynists, men too are under reproductive attack. The volunteers and Daily Cloud COO Amy Kelly found that Pfizer vaccine ingredients permeate the testes and affect the epididymis, the Sertoli cells, the so-called nurse cells of the testicles, the Leydig cells, the primary sources of testosterone in males, and the germ cells. In other words, beyond just suppressing sperm count and sperm motility, these injections damage baby boys and small boys and teenage boys' ability to grow up normally in terms of the development of masculinity itself. Gee, does that sound even remotely similar to other things we've seen a whole lot of lately? And as Naomi Wolf, Ms. Kelly's review of the database, also found mRNA injections to have caused severe injuries to the penises of mRNA-tainted men. And that's not all. Even the next generations are under bioweapon attack. Here's a preprint from another study entitled Pre-Exposure to mRNA LNP Inhibits Adaptive Immune Response and Alters Innate Immune Fitness in an Inheritable Fashion. In other words, if anything is fertilized after this injection, it can inherit some of the damage caused by the Zyklon B injection. So even if it survives to be able to reproduce, it may not end up being fertile itself. And there's literally volumes more information here, folks. And you can rest assured Big Brother doesn't want you to hear it. Writes Dr. Naomi Wolf, I first reported on the global baby die-off here on her substack three months ago. The BBC, as she mentioned above, reported on a spike in baby deaths in Scotland. My reporting about the Scottish baby die-off is a concern echoed by groups of Scottish women who are contacting me seeking answers. There's more. There's a group of Israeli women journalists that are also concerned. Dead babies haunt the VAERS database showing absolutely incredible numbers of dead babies, spontaneous abortions, and fetal disorders. In just the past couple of years, 3,816 babies died after their mothers received a so-called COVID-19 vaccine manufactured by Moderna, Pfizer-BioNTech, or Janssen. And these numbers mean that 57% of all the vaccinations that resulted in a dead baby or fetus over the past 25 years or so occurred after pregnant women started receiving the Zyklon B injections. And I'm going to change just that one word in there, and you know what it is. The story that Dr. Wolf and Amy Kelly and the War Room Daily Kraut Research volunteers are all telling, with primary source after primary source documenting the story, reveals, as she puts it, 360 degrees of harm to human reproduction, as revealed in the Pfizer documents, and that appears to break a massive media taboo. Yeah, you're just not allowed to talk about it, which, arguably, isn't surprising. If you had intentionally, or, she says, by accident, ruined the future of the human race, or ruined the future of about half of it at least, and killed and malformed a whole lot of babies along the way, you too might be trying to shoot the messenger. And if you think about it, folks, you know why it is they don't want you to know about this. And also why it is they want to make sure we don't have a system of justice that, if it still existed, might arguably end up in a whole lot of people who are guilty of massive crimes against humanity, as well as massive genocide, hanging by the necks until they are dead, dead, dead. So you're not allowed to know about it, much less to talk about it. If you can find it, it will set you free. 